0: Hey everybody, welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree and today, we're chatting with one of the leaders in adult content creation's kink community. A whole lot of wisdom here on the business and of course, a long legacy to dive into. Today, I'm joined by the fabulous Sabian Demonia. excited to have a chance to speak with you again because you are one of the most dynamic, sexy, and cutthroat motherfuckers in the game today. Sabian Demonia, you are a content creator, a fetish model, all-around badass entrepreneur. Uh, let's let's give the Licked and Loaded audience your own words as to what you do in the adult industry.
1: I do everything and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, hey, I'm sure everyone is at my list to be done or to do. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I do cam work. I do uh, clips. That's, like, my main uh, thing to do. But uh, apart of that, I'm part-time porn star, <laughs> part-time yeah. NFT crypto uh, girl. So And obviously, panelists, uh, hot, meaning head of the talent in SugarBuns.com. That is crypto based platform.
0: So I'm like overall
1: squishy, nice and available everywhere.
0: And you're also like very savvy to be getting in on the NFT game at this phase. I mean, you've got some legendary stats in the NFT world already. I want to talk camming. I want to talk crypto. We will get there. Um, But As I'm going through your bio, once again, I'm reading all about your beginnings. You started on a TV series called Babe Station in the UK. Could you tell oh, us about
1: that? Um, TV series is more like a channel. It's
0: like okay. an online channel or a TV channel where uh,
1: all the good British boys can just put on when you know the wife is not there and just call me, baby. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah because I've heard other performers that had their start on Babe Station as well. and. It's not something that we ever received in America, it's not something that we ever were able to view and it blows my mind. So it's if if I have it correct, it's a gorgeous model like yourself sitting on camera and Mm -hmm. taking phone calls from random people that feel like flirting.
1: Pretty much, we, it's usually semi-nude or very flirty, but not necessarily like, there is no toys involved, there is no playing, there's no open legs involved. It's premi- pre- like premium version of uh, Dirty Talk. <laughs> oh,
0: so I mean, this sounds like a high pressure environment for someone that might not be as comfortable or confident or well-versed in dirty talk, flirty talk. Uh, mm-hmm. Did they give you any training for this or did you come into this with all your skills already?
1: I mean, I was lucky enough to meet a few like OG vape station girls, uh, and they take care of me and they give me like quick run. I actually mm-hmm. end up in like a cam girl, all cam girl, all porn star, um, house like Big Brother where there was plenty of them and I could just watch them and you know take notes (laughs) and you know observe and uh, get all the vocabulary I need and all the training I can possibly get by just watching them doing it or doing shows together and I quickly like jump on it and and I just I think I'm quick learner because it took me maybe like one night and a little bit of bubbly and I was there I was already doing it
0: (laughs) yeah and I mean the accent is extremely sexy. I'm sure my listeners are saying, what is that accent? Could you tell us uh, where, where you hail from?
1: Oh, uh, my accent is all over the place, <laughs> all over the map. Um, Cause I'm originally Polish, but I lived in UK for 12 years of my life. So almost half of my life now a little mm-hmm. less than half. Um, <laughs> and I move around UK quite a bit because I was in Brighton I was in London. Then I moved to uh, Scotland where I also catch a little bit of
0: that, and now <laughs> I live in Spain. <laughs> and now you live in Spain. Yeah, I mean, you, you've been you've been entirely Europe bound with lots of travel, all within it. Can you tell us how that influences your sexual expression? Was there any kind of influence that maybe London had or, or the UK had, or maybe in Spain, they do things differently and like certain things. Did any of that affect how you express yourself sexually?
1: Uh, definitely it add flavors for sure. Like, mm. I mean, even English, Flavor it sounds maybe yeah. bland, but it's not really because they have very good fetish scene, <laughs> very good fetish scene. So I explore a lot of my fetish society when I was living in the UK, actually. That's how I actually ex- um, experienced the latex for the first time, um, bondage, shibari, all that stuff happened in uh, London. Uh, on top of that, uh, I've been also like experimenting in Prague because that's the biggest Porn capital, I guess, in Europe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, in terms of uh, Spanish flavors, I just started. So for now, it's mostly sangria, but I already have a few interesting fruits of the land (laughs) in my mouth.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, oh my God. So wait, uh, did I hear you say that the UK might be the kinkiest in all of Europe? I think so, yeah. I mean,
1: okay, let's let's forget about Germany. Like, okay, Yeah. yeah. But I guess uh, as a Polish person living really close by Berlin, it wasn't so much because it's like different type of king. Uh, Germany is pretty old school, leather, you know, like very straightforward with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, mm-hmm. very hardcore, but in very straight way, where, for example, London is full of flavors, different types, different colors, a lot of latex, a lot of fashion in into it so like torture garden is absolute like the best fa- fashion experience you can ever get a, as a fetishist or mm-hmm. the best fetish experience as a fashion <laughs> fashion, I like fashion. That.
0: So it's yeah really, really it's a good good a big intersection right you get the yes, fashion yes. and the fetish like, and they
1: collide the between one another and it's really yeah. interesting possibly that's why Alexander McQueen was such a big uh, personality in uh, Fashion word because he was actually from London and he was also a little bit in the fetish scene and I think actually those people like Alexander McQueen, Vivian Westwood, all those actually t- like step into it. It seems like you know British um, people seems to be very bland, but that what makes. The best flavor when you are really bored of being blunt, uh, you go extremely into something completely else, and I think that was the case in London. And I'm absolutely glad about it because it was really good. I it was, yeah. was really good fun, and I'm like still wanna go back to it and go and visit the parties because they reopen after Corona. I can't wait to be like on Antichrist in Torture Garden.
0: All those good things coming from Britain. That's so. It's so true. How. Uh, a, a very conservative environment, uh, dare I even say oppressive at times, an environment like that can really become the breeding ground for some of the most incredible counterculture. And I mean, you really? look at the UK, I mean, that's the birthplace of of punk rock and that whole revolt yeah. against, uh, well, against authority. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, no, it's- Germany, Germany again, a very strict, very all about
1: the rules yet, Berlin is one of the best places to visit for all the rebellious experience. Like Kit Kat Club is legendary at this point. Yeah,
0: yeah Kit Kat Club is, is absolutely in the icon books. Where, where did your fetish journey start? Because you're obviously beautifully inked. You're so comfortable making content that has a, a passion in it. You make this kinky content. Where did your journey into this kind of play begin? How did it evolve?
1: I mean, um, it started in very tiny, small uh, place called the in Poland. And and where I'm coming from, I guess it started in my heart. I was always on the kinky side. I don't know what's happened. I guess maybe some daddy issues, maybe a little bit of something else. I don't know, but definitely somewhere there. Plus I love metal music. I was always in alternative scene musically, obviously leather, chains, all that stuff, everyday Mm. jazz for me. And then the second the door to, you know, outside world open and I start to visit Berlin, I start to experience Gothic culture, I really love the like the goth style and vampires and such. When I was very young, I decided to have a coffin in my, uh, in my bedroom, my mom always absolutely fucking no but that was my like like a like a bed of my dreams every single other girl who wanted to have I don't know some like huge fucking bed from the castle and I wanted to have uh, my own coffin okay mm-hmm. um and then I guess I went to London and I but firstly latex designer who was also no polish and that's how I kind of stepped into the fetish uh, party zone and I love it from the first in the first, it was love for the first sight. Like I knew it's my place. That was exactly mm-hmm. where I wanted to be. I was living from one party to other, just basically preparing new outfits because it's great outlet also artistically, not just feti- fetish side, but artistic side of it. It's really like make the juices flow, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's the phrase. Juices are flowing. Yeah. So in in your journey of exploring kink and your own kinky side your own fetishes was there ever an experience with someone trying to shame you for being into this and if so do you have any advice for how to be invincible to shaming that our society does still have today against you know people that choose an alternative mode of of pleasure seeking like the underworld of kink
1: I mean on the end of the day, it's like well, everything you do online kind of brings you attention, it's good or bad. Okay, I've been shamed. Actually, I was publicly shamed on, on TV in Poland when I was invited to a TV uh, talk show, the biggest in Poland. I hope nobody watched it. Please don't Google it. It's awful. But they try to like suggest that I'm bad uh, mom because I have obviously my family. Mm obviously makes me a bad person. So how can I even raise children considering my, my looks, my tattoos, my, my likes, my freedom of speech online and with everything. But on the end of the day, it's like there will be always someone who won't like it. And there is also a little thrill in it because if everybody will like it, everybody will be doing it. That means that you are not really rebellious or or different. It means that everybody does that. And so like depending on your uh, way you look at things, you know, it's all about your perspective. If your perspective is focusing on the bad, obviously it's like you can't really last long but if you focus on the fact that it brings you a lot of joy on the mm-hmm. end of the day you do what you want and let's be honest regardless what will you do and how you look and what you like there will be always someone who will tell you no this is wrong this is not what I like you shouldn't yeah. do it and on, do you live your life for someone or you do do it for yourself I do it for right. myself and that's how I don't really fucking care
0: the the pressures of conformity. I'm actually shocked to hear that you experienced that in Europe. Then again, I don't live there. I have not been doing business and operating as an adult content creator over there. But that sounds very that American. Prior
1: my adult even journey, I wasn't even in the adult yet, and I already heard really? that. yeah yeah. It was actually I've been shamed more prior I started my career in adult than after. Now I'm praised for being openly a um, porn star, openly uh, a yeah. um, sex worker, because yeah. I do it all like nobody can blackmail me, because how can you blackmail me? Like, do you want a link to Pornhub? Go fuck yourself. Exactly. It's uh, like, what can you do to me? Nothing else. Nothing. You can't really bring anything. But prior over that, I actually had people who tried to blackmail me with like, oh, yeah, I found your naked pictures. I will show it to someone. I'm like, yes, yeah, and? I mean, it's my body and you have the pictures, so That means that it's something wrong with you, not with me, you know? Like if you wouldn't like that, you wouldn't watch. If you wouldn't watch, you wouldn't have saved it. You know, it's like, it's always shifting towards uh, victim blaming instead mm-hmm. of actually facing the fact that someone who have it was the first person to look for it. It means that it's something about that person. not exactly. about me. <laughs>
0: exactly and that that's the key to freedom right there that story that you just told us is a great example of how to be invincible to the the stigma or the onslaught of shame it's like hey it's out there and i'm proud of the work that i do and kind of making that stand gives you a shield i mean it's 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 beautiful
1: yeah i would do exactly this i use my weaknesses as my strength
0: (laughs) yeah and yeah. since
1: that time, nobody can give me any shit about that. It's like, you can't really, what can you say? Nothing. You can yeah. just say like, yeah, you have great tits. That's all you can say. Or I don't like your tits, they're saggy, And that's it. <laughs> that's the biggest thing you can brought, brought on me, you know? Like, oh yeah, you have stretch marks. Like 80, maybe 90% of the women in the entire world was wrong with it. Nothing, thank you. I pressed my case.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So so being such a dominant force in the the fetish genre today, uh, what do you think of the content that's out there in the mainstream? I mean, like if people go to these tube sites and they look for something fetishy or something kinky, are you familiar with what kinds of content is is making up the genre? And how do you feel about it?
1: Uh, actually, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> I branching to mainstream because I just directed two scenes for kink.com and I think kink.com. Uh-huh. It's like the biggest of the biggest, like uh, if you think kink, you think kink.com,
0: right? Absolutely, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so I literally just shoot my very first scene for them as a talent and also as a person who actually created the scene, who directed the scene uh, with my husband. So I'm really, really, really excited to see how they come up, what, what feedback we will get. Uh, but I grew up watching uh, kink.com. I love everything about it. And I think they are very, very genuine. You can really easily find difference between people faking it and mm. buying like cheap crap from sex shop, trying to pretend to be, oh my God, you're so kinky, you know, Absolutely. <laughs> and a little tiny slap on the wrist and people who are actually into it, like Pope, I mean, come on it's like you can tell it's so easy to tell you can feel the vibe if someone is really want to explore their sexuality if he's really into it he knows and he have a knowledge of like you know everything what's going on in the set and 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 have a feeling for it mm. and people who just do it for money i wouldn't go with like okay it's it's funny it's haha when for example brazers are uh, try to set up like a domination scene but on the end of the day it's parody and we should mm-hmm. all take it as a parody because that's the aim they have and and it's funny sometimes i did actually do the very funny parody for a fake Up not long time ago it just literally launched like a couple of days ago where i'm really? do- dumb. but when i was on the set i could tell that people didn't expect me to be so true to myself <laughs> like they wow. a not but more is a, like an actress dom than actual dom. And and I don't think the guy who was on the set gets full brief.
0: That is that is such a wonderful, haha! Like like, get ready for this because I'm the real deal moment.
1: Yeah and, yeah, and we went really, like, I went all of the way. And it's still very humorous. Yeah. But you can tell I'm, like, really into this. I did it multiple times. I just tried to, you know, mark my way I interact with the other performer who is not necessarily into King. And obviously we've been constantly checking if everything is fine, if he's good yeah. and uh, all yeah. that. But the scene come really funny because I was genuinely into it. So I got already uh, um, like offered multiple parodies about being just dumb for multiple different um, companies. But on the end of the day, if you're looking for a real King, King.com is the place they give you real deal always. There is no, mm. there is no bullshitting there
0: and and when we talk about bringing this kind of content to the mainstream making it available for everyone to watch i mean there can be some very intense exchanges there can be some very intense kinds of play that we right. depict that we share that we capture for uh uh for viewers so with that in mind is there a responsibility in depicting uh kink for I mainstream think, masses uh,
1: what is very good um way of uh, let's say explaining it to audience uh, um, that the professional are doing it is the intro interview and outro interview mm. where not only uh it's explained into details how the safe words work how the entire set works that the model is aware and prepared and knows everything because What usually people forget when they watching it on tubes, where it's mostly the meat, the Mm -hmm. middle part, right? Is that the fact that there is a lot of preparation prior, during the scene, it's all planned and the model is completely aware and there are professionals. So let's be Mm. still aware of that. And until you don't have enough knowledge, if you are not into something, um, if you are into something extreme, but you never have experience in your own life, I would strongly suggest first find a community uh, and, and talk with people who did that multiple times, they're really experiencing that. Porn's supposed to be just like an extra fantasy role play for you to enjoy your free time rather than being your you know, textbook how to, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Please don't learn how to do shibari from Pornhub. Don't, this, this sounds like a very bad idea and, and jackass wouldn't do it, okay?
0: <laughs> there you go. Even jackass wouldn't do it. Okay. And it's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, it's about doing things the way that they, they really need to be done. And that includes, I love your idea of get in touch with the community first, mm-hmm. seek out a professional and get the thorough introduction that everyone who wants to engage in this kind of play, they deserve. People yeah. should have a, a very thorough introduction that includes, you know, the consent talks, the, the, the yes and no's, the restrictions, the, the risk factor in it.
1: And also another very important factor is that not necessarily something what we have in our mind as a fantasy will role play the same way in real life. Usually it's mm. nothing like it. And I often back in the day when I was doing in-person domination, I had tons and tons of people coming over be like, hey, I always want to be dominated. Do it to me. And mm. the, what they thought it will be, it will be just, you know, a few slaps in the balls and then blow blowjob. No, it's not the case, babe. That's not how it works. So uh, the communities are there for a reason. we all been like newbies to everything at some point. Uh, And the knowledge is on like your fingertips right now. We have internet, Mm. we have uh, meetings, we have community online and in person. There's so many resources, books, Mm. all stuff. So why not use it? Why not prepare Mm. yourself? Like you would prepare yourself for everything. Why are you not preparing yourself for your sexual experience? You should be prepared for that too, for yourself and for your partner.
0: It builds a confidence as well, you know, like people yeah, and, and are, it
1: helps are you to yeah. like, you know, instead of just role playing in your head where you're completely safe, face how it looks in reality, because it's different in your brain when you think about it and it's different when you actually have to face actual real body and for example, tide it up, you know, there are rules, regulations, there are risks there's lots of things that will ruin the play for everybody. So why do it if you can spend a little extra time going in more details?
0: Yeah, you'll have a better experience anyways. You know, yeah. <laughs> ultimately, All
1: you'll, the experience.
0: it'll be more exciting when you know what you're doing and how to do it, right? Exactly. So we have a lot of um, cam models, cam performers, uh, and, and, passionate cam consumers that watch this show and listen to this podcast. And my question for you is, what is your thoughts on the secrets to successful camming? A lot of people step into the business and they go, oh, my gosh, you know, I I was doing so well at the beginning, then I dropped off or I have been doing this for three months and nothing's happening with my cam career. What is your advice on that?
1: I mean, I think I'm coming from a little from a little bit privileged point of view, because I already had following. I already been out there. I already had like a background of a performer in real life. So I a, I, a little bit cheat the system, <laughs> I would say, because it's different when you are like first time performer in front of the camera. And it's different when you enter, for example, studio in the station, when you already have a, people calling constantly. And you just have to face that, that you have to be just Lo- long online, basically. That was the only thing I had to like uh, fight with myself, because obviously entering this sort of um, workforce, I never thought it would be so many hours. This right, is my right. biggest uh, problem. My, even now, I still struggle sometimes to last more than three hours. Show. I did eight hours once, but as you can see, I can say once because it was just fun Oh my <laughs> God, that, that's long. And I know girls doing it constantly. It's like like the key of uh, of being good calm girl, is focusing on that and actually treating your customer like your friend that mm-hmm. really needs your attention and your affection and the better uh, connection you can build with that person the more in long term you can actually gain out of it not necessarily just money but in general traffic conversation all that if you are coming and going if you're disappearing you know, they will look for other friends because you are not available. It's like with every friendship. If you are not available for your friend constantly or you're showing up in different hours and, and you're just there for a second, it looks like money grab, right? So I, I have even myself right now a little problem because I was offline for quite a while uh, because I was like traveling, shooting, doing King.com, doing yeah. the scenes in Prague. And I also feel like the shittiest friend ever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <worst> it's, <laughs> it's a good philosophy. It's a good philosophy, you know, to to really get in the headspace that this is a friend group and that they, you know, it, it deserves interaction. It requires your time.
1: Yeah, the fans are like friends, you know, on the end of yeah. the day, you have to like keep them in the loop. Sometimes ask them how they are without even expecting anything back, you know, like yeah. It's everywhere, it doesn't mean just come. In general, building really good fan base means being friendly and open and, and vulnerable sometimes. And even when you don't feel like it, I found myself sometimes logging in because I like I don't even have makeup on because I'm late and everything, and they love it. They absolutely love it. I, I remember I was now in Sofia doing like a lunch for my in-game character and I had to borrow a laptop just to be online on Sugar palms. I borrowed a laptop from the company that invite me. I was like, I'm so sorry, but I still need to do my show because I am doing them every week on Saturday and they will, you know, be very sad if I won't do it. So I borrowed the laptop. I set up everything in like... uh, random room in my like hotel i was staying you know and and i remember they actually invite me to the cinema on the very end of my stay but that was the same day when i was um, doing my show so i was trying to like a little bit push the time of my show just so i can mm-hmm. do it and i couldn't catch the taxi too <laughs> so i had to <laughs> run i had to run from the cinema straight to my <gasps> hotel just to make the show so when I arrived I was like sweaty and and just oh. like you know I was like hey guys I'm so sorry I was trying my face like 20 minutes cardio before show. Not oh the show but oh they my love God. it they'd be like yeah, yeah you have no makeup. you look so fresh it's all good I'm like I just need water yeah
0: <laughs> because you showed up for them that's yeah. why yeah. they loved it right, right? You-
1: point I was one minute past the time i was supposed to be so so they'd be like don't worry, babe, calm down. It's all good. I'm like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was good. That's, that's,
0: de- that's dedication, though.
1: Like, you know, wearing T-shirt and jeans. <laughs> yeah. No makeup, nothing. And I make more money than I did a uh, week before being, like, all prepped and in my lingerie and stuff, yeah?
0: That's interesting. That's, <laughs> that's, it says a lot about what people are logging into cam shows for.
1: For the relationship, for the free, it's like, uh, you know, for the human interaction. They uh, not only uh, logging into camp for that. They also buying your content. They're also subscribing to your OnlyFans, whatever you do or whatever platform are you on. They usually are, okay, well, video whatever type of content you put is nice one to it because obviously we are all sexy bitches, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) on the end of the day, more important for those guys is just to be like, hey, you remember my name? If you remember his name or how we met or what was our last chat they're absolutely loving it <laughs> and i have I, that,
0: that that's so. great that's such great advice and i think that that's that's going to resonate with a lot of these beginning and new broadcasters who are kind of looking for where to put their focus so thank you for the wisdom on that yeah, uh you also
1: people who are talking to you who are really yeah. interested in you not yeah. just the-
0: <laughs> right exactly exactly it's it's conversational and it's connections mm-hmm. so you you also have found success in the nft game now did i read this correctly yeah. you had the highest selling nft on the website triple x nifty
1: the i my my uh first nft sold as a, one of the most expensive and i think i was keeping the title for
0: like two or three months yeah <laughs> okay what what did this sell for can i Get the stats
1: that was the start of the pra- platform and that time i sold it for 1299 dollars
0: wow. wow but then wow. i
1: sold more expensive one later on but not on the same platform
0: <laughs> got it got it so how did you get into this entire crypto experience is this something you already had an education on and you were ready to you know engage in or did someone invite you
1: I'm good with money, but more spending than earning. So usually, no, crypto was just like, it was a I would say. <laughs> I just, you know, um, I'm into art. I do, like, uh, I finished art school. I think I mentioned that before. And so every single way to actually make it more artistic and less basic, I'm on it. <laughs> mm. Mm. So, uh, you know, porn is great, but it's after a while pretty straightforward. And when I figured out NFTs, I was like, hey, this is great. Not only we can get uh, royalties from sales, what never happened before to anybody in porn, since we have this word that is already connected with something bad and dirty, because before, mm-hmm. when back in the day, I would say art was very pornographic, but it was all good, you know, like, Romans, all of them been having their peepees out and everybody been happy, yeah, because it right. was artistic, it was a body, nobody was shaming, but at some point something went wrong and we create this awful term pornography and automatically from content creators, we become something dirty, awful and on the side of the road from any other content creation. Like you wouldn't say that about musician. You wouldn't say that about someone who is reading books. You wouldn't say that about the painter. Why are you saying that mm-hmm. about someone who's showcasing the body? Even photographer is still fine. As long they don't do like, you know, the basic insertation, they're still artistic photographer. It's like, come on. If you have a, any hinge of artistic skills, you can showcase sex very nicely. And it's nothing vulgar, it's nothing uh, awful, and it should be natural because that's part Mm. of our life in general. And it's very artistic and it's very close to every single one of us. So for me, it was always difficult even to wrap my head around it. Why being naked alone is cool, but being naked with someone else and touching is already not really cool. Where is the line? What's going on here? Um, yeah. So NFTs become like uh, my thing to express a little bit more artistic while still using porn as a, as a main focus. So I right. use, for example, part of my one of the most iconic by now, by my f- fans at least, scenes when I do double titty penetration. What well, is apparently my shtick? <laughs> I use that as a gift. And I add a little bit of extras like like the laser in my eyes that are very crypto like a little bit of play with the color. So it's not necessarily so obvious what's going on. And that's what I sold to some guy in China for like super big money. And he tried to sell it now for, I don't know, 10 times more. And if he will actually do it and someone will buy it, I will get 10% as a royalty. Right. And that's like lifetime. So that's great. Uh, like, this is the first that's time amazing. we as a content creator, as an uh, adult performers, we can actually retire if we are on a certain level of our game, knowing that we will just gain royalties from the resale of our art rather than just, you yeah. know, everybody wanking to us forever and ever and having nothing out of it.
0: That is so exciting as, you know, part of your retirement portfolio to just know that that that's out there. And of course, we are still waiting to see how NFTs evolve. And it seems to be gaining momentum. I mean, every day you're seeing in the news that something else has sold for a ridiculous amount of coin. I'm like, okay, it's happening.
1: I mean, on the end of the day, now we have big brands like Nike, Adidas. I don't know. Gucci, all the of them, if it wouldn't be good business if it wouldn't have a from you know really good prediction they wouldn't pay a dime to be there okay they wouldn't they have enough they have like a bunch of people not just one person reading articles like in my household uh, but uh, entire you know group of people for prediction how to grow their business ten years from now, and they all stepping into metaverses. They all trying mm-hmm. to go uh, cyber uh, friendly, considering the past pandemic uh, situation, considering how people are involved in internet in general, how it sucked us and our attention, and how people love to flex online. Right. Not, NFTs nothing else but just right now uh, online flex.
0: Yeah, and and of course, there's of course there's there's legitimacy when you see these big brand names coming in to you know take part in the NFT and the crypto world. But do you at all as a creator fear too much saturation affecting your success in the future as some of these big names get in the game?
1: I mean, look at uh, social media. Ten years ago, there was no social media, and there was the same question. Oh, that, will that last? Is it worth it? How can you call, call yourself an uh, influencer if that's not mm-hmm. a thing? YouTuber wasn't a job. Look at now. So I think there is a big chance that will be the case with NFTs and crypto in like 10, 15 years. Like Everybody who are like now being like, hey, it's already too many people, too much stuff going on. In 10 years, there will be like 10 times more or even bigger. So it's still early. It's still just starting. There is still plenty of people sitting there and just waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm really um, been that person when it comes to Instagram uh, back in the day. And if I wouldn't be that person back in the day, I would have millions and millions of followers. Like I have a friend who was on my level, we've been starting a fetish career together. And now she has like two point something million people on Instagram itself, just because she wasn't the one who was waiting. She just figured out what algorithm much quicker than I did and go on the roll. And now her following is like, everybody know her name, everyone know who is she. She didn't lose the beat. I don't plan to do it with crypto.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, get ready uh, for an even bigger boom after everyone hears this podcast, because I feel motivated <laughs> to get my ass in there. Um, yeah. It's been it's been incredible listening and learning from you today, Sebienne. Could you please let all of our listeners know how to get in touch with you, where to find your goods?
1: Okay, so I'm usually on link, like you can find, still find me on Linktree, I don't know how much it will last because we all know how it is, but uh, it's like come underscore and get me, <laughs> that's my link, <laughs> but you can also, the, all the goodies you can start, start looking for on Twitter, it's at Sabine underscore Demonia with capital S D and M, that's the best place to be because Instagram is a little tricky, so if you find me on Instagram it's at Sabien Demonia and on the verb and underscore, but there is just like very soft and gentle version, I would say. Uh, so I would suggest Twitter or add yourself to my very free Telegram group because I also create a Telegram group where I'm like uploading stuff and saying where I am and everything. Uh, and you know, the link is just uh, message. Dot, dot, uh, Sabien Demonia slash VIP.
0: Perfect. Uh, hey, get ready. Uh, I know that everyone is drooling and absolutely in love with you as they should be. Thank and you, you so much. <laughs> That's right, Google. Thank you so much, Sebian and Demonia. I'm wishing you a fabulous future. I know it's gonna be bright and it's gonna be incredible to watch. So thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me. And I hope next time I will meet you in person somewhere in uh, beautiful US. Someone maybe, maybe- We better, we
0: better make that happen.
1: Oh,
0: definitely. Oh, I want to see those titties live. <laughs> you, know, you know these titties are missing you so much right titties. now. All right, <laughs> you know those titties. All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Licked and Loaded. Please make sure that you like, favorite, and subscribe to this channel. I'm Laura Desiree, and we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs> This has been a CAM4 Radio production. Come say hi at wwwcam